What's up, 11 a.m.? How you guys doing? Welcome to church today. We're so glad that you're with us. Can we welcome everybody who's with us online? Thanks for being at church with us as well. And especially, um, we have a, a huge group of people who recently deployed to Afghanistan. If you guys are watching in Afghanistan, we love you. We're praying for you. We're grateful for you as well. And so, um, hey, welcome. If you're new here to ACF Church, we just hope uh, that you can find a place that feels like home. Uh, we hope that this is a place that you can wrestle with your faith and your doubts and experiences with God and, and that we can move forward together. That's our heart uh, today. And so we are in week three, our final week of this three-week series uh, called Past Forward. It's been a conversation about our past, about our pain. And uh, the first week, we launched into dealing with the pain of our past. And um, I think maybe more than any other series we've gone through, this has been a messy conversation for people. Uh, anytime we ask people to dig into their past, it, get, it gets really messy, right? And so uh, the first week, we just said, you need to go backwards to go forward. It's time to actually deal with some of those things that we've uh, got in the closet, open the door up, air it out, let God work through the pain of our past. And then the, the last week, um, we talked about our, our, our labels and, and how we've got these things that have been said about us or that we've said about ourselves that have shaped the way that we see the world, the way that we see ourselves. Even to this day, maybe there's something that a coach or a, a trusted family member or a teacher uh, said to you that you still sort of carry with you today. And so last week was all about dealing with the labels that we've all uh, struggled with throughout our lives. And today we're talking about our habits. And uh, the song we just the, just shared was about habits, about how we all have bad habits, things that we struggle with and things that we're trying to change in our lives. And most of us have spent a lot of time trying to change our behavior. And uh, we're constantly telling ourselves that we'll never do this again or we'll never do that again. And we find ourselves in the same situation over and over again. And so today, uh, we just want to deal with those things and, and maybe uh, uh, look at it from a different way uh, this morning. And so would you stand up? I'm going to read a passage of Scripture. Just stand in, in honor of God's Word this morning. And this is a, a passage written by a man named Paul who had some bad habits. Now, we don't know all of what they were, but uh, as I read his words in this passage in Romans chapter 7, I uh, can really connect with this man. And so I hope that you can connect with these words as well. Here's what he says in verse 15. He says, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law, and that is good. So now, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. Can we pray as we start today? God, thank you so much that uh, we can stand here together, all equal um, in our need for grace. Father, so we come before you and ask that you'd help us to be honest with ourselves, that we could identify some of the habits in our lives, uh, that we could identify some of the ways of thinking that uh, don't help us or help the people around us. And so God, help us to kind of get over uh, some of the blockades that might keep us from hearing your voice today and to be fully present in this moment. God, we need to interact with you. We need to see our Savior today. Now, there's a lot going on in our lives, school and life and kids and um, money problems and all kinds of things that could distract us today. Father, we need to encounter our Creator today. And so we pray you be here, that your presence would be tangible to us, God, that we'd be changed by meeting with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. You can be seated. So if you're wondering, hey, does ACF Church do a cover song every week? Uh, we have for the past three weeks, but this isn't our typical flow. Um, this series called Pass Forward has sort of a music theme, and we've chosen uh, to pick a song from our culture over the past few years that speaks directly to the topic uh, that we're speaking towards in the morning. And so uh, this week was the song Breaking the Habit, uh, sung by Linkin Park, if you know any of their music. And uh, this song specifically speaks about this, this statement, I am breaking the habit tonight. And I'll be honest, I've said that a lot of times, and I've tried to change my ways and my routines. And I I love the lyrics of the song because it it almost directly correlates with what Paul is saying in the scripture with it, which is, I don't know why I do what I do. You ever said that before? You ever been like, I don't know why I speak that way. And, And I don't know why this thing has such a hold on me. And I don't know why I respond in this situation with this type of behavior or, or thinking. And so I think we all can relate to that. And this song specifically, um, has been on our, on our radar and, and our schedule since the beginning of the summer. And uh, it speaks about this man's personal struggle. And if you don't know, uh, the, the man that wrote the song, Chester Bennington, he, he took his own life in July. And, uh, and I felt like we needed to talk about this a little bit this morning. This is Suicide Awareness and Prevention Month. And so uh, is Alaska is uh, the state with, I believe, the highest suicide rate in the nation. Um, we have to talk about these things. Uh, as ACF Church, we, a few times a year, bring this into the light and say, hey, let's, let's acknowledge that this is here, okay? Let's acknowledge that uh, there are people who struggle deeply with depression and self-hatred, uh, people who struggle with hurting themselves. And, and I feel like um, uh, this isn't necessarily the topic of the morning, but I just need to tell you um, that uh, you don't need to struggle alone and that you have a, a community of people uh, who want to be with you in this. And so if you are one of those people, maybe you just wandered in today, and uh, this is something that you've wrestled with in your life, um, you just need to know that you're not alone. You need to know that we are a community that, um, uh, with, full of people who have probably struggled with some of the same thoughts and issues that you have. And so um, just here's me to you. My, my request is that you would just reach out. Uh, that you'd send an email to one of our staff, that you would uh, reach out to somebody here and just share your story. Share with someone else what's going on in your heart. So um, we want to be the kind of place that wrestles honestly with our issues. And I know maybe you feel alone. And uh, most people who are stuck in these type of habits feel very alone and isolated. But uh, my request to you is that you wouldn't isolate, uh, that you'd reach out for help, and that you'd receive that uh, today. But when we, um, when we talked about sharing the song this morning, uh, it brought up a lot of questions in my mind, especially with uh, what had happened with this man. And um, the questions like, what were the habits that he had in his life? If you listen to any of his music, much of it's very honest about his own uh, addictions and abuse and things that he's wrestled with. And, and so he's very honest and open about those things, but clearly the honesty and openness hadn't led to restoration. Uh, clearly, there were still these, these silent struggles and habits that were going on in the background, and maybe in the foreground with some, but it led to some very big struggles in his, his life. And, and so we have to wrestle with these. What are the habits that lead people to these type of decisions? And, and for you, what are the thought processes that you struggle with, the habits that you have in your life that lead you to behavior that you're not proud of and things that you want to change in your life? And so when we say habits, I don't know what you think of. Um, we could, it, it could be a lot of different things. How about this anger and aggression? Like, what are your habits? Do you have a habit of anger and aggression? Do people just maybe tell you, hey, dude, you're just always angry. I don't know if you realize this, but you're either like sleeping 
or angry. And those are your two modes. And, and people have told you that, and so you're just the kind of person that flips out about things, and maybe in, in a constant state of, I can't stand the people around me. Uh, everybody stinks. I can't stand anybody. Uh, maybe that's you. Uh, maybe you're the kind of person that struggles with lying about your mistakes or lying to get ahead. You trend towards deception if you think that it will help the situation in one way or another. And maybe it has, in some ways, gotten you by or gotten you ahead. And so because of that, you have a routine or habit of deception. Maybe it's defensiveness. Maybe for you, um, you wouldn't say you have any bad habits, right? I mean, you don't have any issues. This isn't a problem for you. And when people uh, go to you with issues, you immediately are like, I don't want anything to do with this conversation. And so you constantly shut down when people want to be honest with you about problems. Maybe greed and, and selfishness. Nobody likes to admit that one, do we? So I'll admit it. I'll be honest with you. I um, have, I think, a trend towards greed and selfishness in my life. And I know pastors aren't supposed to say that. Uh, but here we go. And so this is me. Honestly, I know this is why God gave me my wife, Amanda, is because she would give everything we have away if I let her. And uh, sometimes I do because I know it's what we need to do. And so I, I, kind, of, I kind of lean on her for direction when it comes to being generous and, and giving in my life. But I know, left to my own devices, I would be greedy because I, there's part of me that believes the lie that if I have enough money in the account, if I have enough stuff, then I will be safe and my family will be safe. And so just being honest with you, greed, that's something that I have struggled through and that I've wrestled with. Maybe that's your habit. Maybe it is something like substance abuse um, for you. Maybe you reach for the pill or the drag, or uh, maybe it's simply like you started by drinking on the weekends, you know, with your friends, and it turned into like every other night on the weekdays, right? Because you can't do it every night. And then like it turned into every night, and now it's just, that's just a nightcap, you know? It's just to help me sleep, and it's a couple every evening, and the people around you are starting to say things, and you don't want to admit it, but at this point, what was sort of this fun thing has turned into a, a routine and a habit in your life that is going somewhere. It's, it's actually progressing somewhere that's not good for you. And maybe it is depression and self-hatred. Maybe this is your thing. You constantly are hard on yourself and down on yourself about things. And, and uh, maybe you struggle deeply. And the people around you, they see that you're smiling and you're happy, but really... Uh, for the most part, you are a depressed, discouraged person, and you trend towards those types of thoughts. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, for me, uh, I'm pretty critical of myself. I, I don't think anybody's as hard as me uh, on me as I am. Um, every week, I'll be honest, every time I get off this stage, I'm like, what a waste of time. I don't think I helped anybody. Every single week, you know? And I'm just, I'm really difficult, uh, really hard on myself when it comes to the things that I do. So I don't know what your routines are, what your habits are, but here's what we all know. We all know that it, it's impossible to fix the problem if you don't know what the source is, right? Like we have to get to the source of the issue. And, and I think for a lot of years in our culture, people have been treating sort of the symptoms of our habits. If we just change the habit, we'll be better. We'll feel better. We'll get ahead of things. And how many of you know you can change one habit and then you find out you need to change another one? And as soon as you change it and you think that, okay, this thing's good. I have sustainable change in my life. You go work on something else and this thing all falls apart, right? And a few months later, there you are again, trying to restart a new habit in your life. See, we have to kind of pop the hood on the issue, which I think is sort of a great illustration of this. If you've ever heard a funny noise underneath the hood of your car, 
You know there's two kinds of people, right? There's the person that when the light comes on, you just put a little piece of duct tape over that light on the dash so that it's not bothering you. And then there's the kind of person that, you know, pulls over to the side of the road. And, and I love this. Even guys that don't know a thing about cars, they do the same thing, right? You pop the hood and you walk over and you assume the position. It's something like this. And you don't know a thing about it, right? You're just like looking at it. Like maybe it's going to tell you what's wrong, right? And this is, this is, the, this is the position of inspection. Like I, I just want to figure out what the problem is. And maybe I don't have the tools to do it, but I know if I stand here long enough, I'm going to figure it out. And, and, and that's the truth. Like, we have to deal with the problem, the source of our habits, because our habits actually come from somewhere. Do you know that? They actually come from somewhere. There's a source to every one of our habits. We have to actually go deeper within ourselves to find out what it is. Romans chapter 5, verse 6, speaks a little bit about who we are. And it says this, verse 6, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, who in the room is ungodly? Okay, a few of you. The rest of you are like, no way, I'm not going to admit. That's not really a word you want on your resume, right? Right? I mean, that's not really something in terms of our identities that we want to receive. But what we understand by the scriptures, Paul is saying that at the very right time, in that moment where you were at your worst, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, most people wouldn't say that you're ungodly. You might just say you're imperfect, right? Which, what is God? Perfect. And what are you? Ungodly. Yeah, so, yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's just the logic, right? We're all ungodly. We're not perfect, and um, that's kind of a nice way of saying I've got some bad habits. I've got some behaviors and routines in my life that are not good for me or for other people. Let's keep going. In verse 7, he says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, which isn't that the truth, right? I mean, if you saw like a really righteous person, a good person, we're talking like Mother Teresa style, really great person, and a Greyhound bus is bearing down on them, don't tell me you wouldn't like think about it for a second. Like, ah, do I want to run out and risk my life and potentially die for this person? You probably, there'd be a thought process that you'd go through. I don't know you know, if I want to do this. And then he says, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even die. So scarcely die for a righteous person. Now this isn't like Mother Teresa style person. This is just like a guy that, I don't know, uses his blinker in traffic and, you know, pays his taxes, you know, like like a typical, decent, normal human being. And you're like, I'm thinking even longer about running out and risking my life for this person. And it says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So now this person isn't Mother Teresa. This person isn't the guy that uses his blinker. Now this person is the worst person you've ever met. I mean, they are the person that drives you crazy. They're the person that you think has done the worst uh, things and, and behaviors in the world, somebody that's hurt you the worst. Now it's that person who has done all of these things? Are you willing to go out and risk your life, potentially die for that person? It gets real when we think about it for somebody else, but this is how it's described in Scripture between Christ and the world. While we were still sinners, while we rejected God and pursued other things in this world, Christ chose to die for us. I love that that was the right time. At just the right time, like when you were most jacked up was when Christ died for you. 
I love, that's a really important that we understand that that was the right time. The right time wasn't when you kicked the habit. The right time wasn't when you fixed your problem or you changed your behavior. The right time was when you were at your worst. That's when Christ died for us. And so this is where it begins, I think, is acknowledging who we are and that our habits come from somewhere. They actually flow from inside of us. And you can write this down. The problem isn't just that we're sinful. The problem is that we're sinners. It's not just that we have bad behavior. It's that that behavior comes from inside of ourselves. It comes from who we are. And we have to understand this, that apart from Christ, those behaviors and that, that lifestyle, that is our identity. That we're actually rebellious and enemies toward God apart from Jesus. And so this is, the, this is the basis of the gospel that we really need good news because apart from Jesus, we are enemies of God. If you want to open up to Ephesians chapter four, we're going to talk a little bit about what Paul wrote to this church in Ephesus. And here's what's going on. Paul is actually um, in jail. He's on, under house arrest in Rome. And he's speaking to this church of uh, what we call the Gentiles, these Gentile believers, people who are sort of the unchurched. And maybe this is you today. You didn't grow up in a, in a churched home. Uh, maybe this is one of your first times stepping foot in this room, and it's kind of awkward and weird, and you're trying to figure out what you believe. And so Paul is speaking to this gathering of people who are part of this kind of unchurched crowd who are now believers in Jesus. And those people, after making commitments to follow Jesus, guess what they're doing? Going back to their old behavior, going back to their own habits. And we've all struggled with this, right? Maybe you have this emotional moment at church or at a, at a camp or on a mission trip and God speaks to you and he's so real and you believe it with all your heart and then Monday you comes this around. Emotional moment at church and then Tuesday comes around. A, Before you know it, you're like, I don't know what I believe anymore. God I don't know what I think anymore. So Do I even want to pursue this God anymore? And so and you start falling back into these old routines. And so following Jesus, what we know is that it takes everything. It, it really, it's not half in, half out. It takes giving everything to God and saying, listen, God, I want you to take control over every portion of my life. Now, now there's some areas where you're like, that's super easy, things that I don't really care that much about. But there's other areas where when God says, I, wanna, I want change to happen in this area, you start wondering if you believe this stuff anymore, right? Am I really ready to give this up? And what you need to understand about this culture is that in Ephesus, this city is built all around a temple. And, and it, if you've ever seen it or been there, it's, it's all the city streets lead around the temple of Diana. And Diana is this goddess of fertility. And so all of the, the culture, all of the money and the finances, it, it all flows around this temple. So imagine you have been steeped in this idol worship for, for your whole life. And then you encounter Jesus and then, you know, this, this life change happens, and, and now you're over here following Jesus, but then your finances and, and your whole life is wrapped up in this worship of this, this goddess Diana. And so to follow Jesus fully is going to mean maybe putting your finances at risk, putting your relationships at risk, putting your routines at risk. All of your routines and habits will have to change to follow Jesus. So all of a sudden, it's becoming very difficult for this crowd of people to follow Jesus. He says this in verse 17. Now I say this and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. So he speaks about the Gentiles, the non-believers. He says, listen, believers, church of Ephesus, it's time to change the way that you live. It's time to no longer walk as those who do not have Christ walk. It's time to walk as one who is in Christ Jesus. 
And then as he describes the way that the Gentiles walk, he says they walk in the futility of their minds. And if you look up the word futility, it simply means useless thinking. Useless thinking. Like there's something in their minds that causes them to think a certain way, which causes them to behave a certain way, right? See, once again, our habits come from somewhere. They come from the way that we think about the world, the way that we think about ourselves. So he's like, hey, church, no longer walk as that person. That's not you anymore. Walk as this new person because that way of thinking is useless. It's useless. So anybody want to admit that they're a hoarder? Any hoarders in the room? A few of you guys are hoarders. Okay. <laughs> anybody marry a hoarder? Raise your hand. Yeah, that's good for your marriage. Good job. Um, yeah, there's some hoarders in the room. Yeah, how many storage units do you have? I get it. It's hard. So I grew up in a family that held on to a lot of things. So um, my dad is notorious for never throwing anything away, especially in the garage, right? You, some of you guys get this. You get that it's going to be 40 below and you don't care that your garage is stacked full of stuff you do not need, right? And so I just remember growing up, if something would break, it'd go up on the shelf and it would sit there. And then once every five years, there would be something off that shelf that would end up being used for something, and it would validate five years of holding on to all of this crap that we don't need, right? And y- you do this too, I'm sure. I mean, people hold on to lots of different things, and what, what hoarding is, is the inability to realize that something is useless. A- at some point, you just go, I don't think we need that anymore, right? I just don't think we need to carry that around. I mean, we had, we were in a military family. We had these boxes with the little stickers on them. Military people, you know, they put the stickers on them when you move. We had boxes that had like 18 stickers in the original tape from 30 years ago. They'd never been opened. I don't even know what's in them. I think they still have some of those boxes. It's like, we got to get rid of stuff. Anyway, it's a different problem. But this is, the, this is what it's like to think in a certain way that, that doesn't help you or people around you. At some point, you got to go, I don't think what I'm thinking is helping. I think the way that I'm thinking is hurting me and the people around me. Verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. So when he says ignorance, he's not trying to call them a name. He's literally saying they don't understand. They just don't understand that God has better things from them. And so they've alienated themselves from the way that God is calling them to live in the life they're called to experience. It says, this is all due, this is interesting, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, which is just a kind of a twisted version of sexuality, agreed to practice every kind of impurity. That's kind of a catch-all bucket. Just what's impure, they, they practice all of it, any of it, whatever they feel like doing. Verse 20, but this is not the way you learned in Christ. This is not what you learned. Now he gives a little caveat. He goes, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. There's a lot going on there. He, he, says, he says, listen, those people are alienated from God and they have this hardness of heart. And I don't know how often you think about your heart, but the Bible talks a lot about our hearts. Because the heart is sort of the, the seat of human personality in Scripture. It's, it's where all of your logic comes from. Everything is driven by the heart for people in this culture. And so for us, it, it's really, we think more in terms of our minds. And so what he's really getting at is that the, the heart is the source of all of their behavior and all of their habits and all of the way 
that they're thinking. And so they're, they're giving themselves up to these useless practices because they have a useless way of thinking. And he says, but you, church, that's not what you learned. If you were a parent, you'd say something like, that's not how I brought you up, right? This is not who you were created to be. This is not what you learned in Christ Jesus. And he goes, assuming that you were taught Jesus. It's interesting, he's speaking to the church, and yet he's acknowledging that some people may have not either been taught or, or received what it means to be in Christ Jesus. So he wants to clarify all of that, and he says this, he says, I want you to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Put off your old self. That's a really interesting statement, isn't it? It's interesting that Paul, when dealing with the church and all of these different behaviors that people have given themselves to, he doesn't say, put off your old habits. Put off your old routine. Put off your old addictions. He actually says you need to put off your self. This is is life-changing, I think, when you get this. So for some Christians, I think there's this feeling that I make a decision to follow Jesus, and at that point, I'm kind of done, right? The, the game over, right? I'm going to heaven, right? I mean, I have this reward of, of life eternal with God. Like, I chose to follow Jesus. What else is there to do? Paul is telling you that you have to, like, put on Christ Jesus. He's speaking to believers. Listen, to the church. He's saying, you've got to put on Christ Jesus. And I imagine some of them were like, I thought I already did. Didn't I already put them on? I thought I was covered in Christ Jesus. I thought I did that when I chose to follow Jesus. It's almost like, it's almost like putting clothes on. Like you're all pretty good at this because you're all dressed this morning. It's like the only thing we're, we require of you at church, just show up dressed. So you all do this every morning. You get up and you put on Christ Jesus in the morning. This is what he's relating it to. It, and, and so for me, me and my wife, we've been having a lot of conversations about parenting our kids lately. So we've been waking up in the morning and we kind of exchange looks and we have this quick little conversation like, are you ready? Are you ready? Because we get up a couple minutes before the kids and we're like, they're going to be up soon. Are you prepared for this? And so we're kind of psyching each other up kind of pregame. Like, are you ready for what's going to happen as they get out of their beds? And so it's like we start off the day going, I'm going to put on Christ Jesus, right? I'm going to prepare myself for battle. I got to be covered in Christ Jesus. And by 8 a.m., he's falling off. Like Jesus is gone. And I don't know how it happens, but by 8 a.m., my Jesus is no longer covering me. And so the, it's, it's, Paul, is, Paul is literally saying that there's this process that as, even as Christians who have been changed by Christ and have this, this eternity that's promised to you with God, what you need to do in this world is constantly be putting on Christ Jesus because apparently he falls off. Apparently somehow throughout the day, and you guys know this is true, somehow your Jesus kind of falls off in the middle of the day. And so Paul's like, Hey, church, this is something that you're going to need to do a lot. I mean, you may need to start every single day of your life putting on Christ Jesus. And I think a lot of Christians have missed this. I think we think, well, he saved me, so I'm good. But apparently there's this, like, realization and renewal and receiving of this new life that Christ has given you that needs to happen all the time. Like, like it may happen a hundred times during your day. 
It may happen all day long. You may fail by 8 a.m. and you got to put on Jesus, and then by 10 a.m. you've failed again. You got to put on Jesus again. By noon, you're failing again. You got to put on Jesus. And some of you don't even want to start the process because you know you're going to fail. Some of you are such perfectionists in your life that you have a really difficult time even starting the road of change in your life because you know that you're going you're gonna to stink at it. It's like, it's like what keeps me from lifting weights at the gym. <laughs> because I know that I'm going to look terrible. All the, the big buff guys are going to be making fun of me, you know, in, in the locker room. And so it's like, why would I even put myself through that? I, I don't even know what I'm doing. And so it keeps you from, from taking steps forward. Your perfectionism is keeping you from progress. So at some point, you have to start and just go, yep, I'm going to stink at, the, at this. And there's a lot of people who are looking in at Christianity from the outside, and they're like, yeah, once I fix myself, then maybe, then maybe I'll call myself a Christian. Maybe I'll get baptized. Maybe I'll be part of the church. At the right time, while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. So what you need to start off with is that realization. We you can write this down. You don't just need a new habit. You need a new heart. I mean, it just needs to, you need a whole new heart. You can treat the symptoms and, and, and there is a place for changing behavior and that's not a bad thing, but it starts with a change of a heart. It's a different way of thinking. And at some point, if you are somebody who is really hard on yourself, you got to find out where does that come from? Where, what's going I can treat that, that thought process by just distracting myself, by, by trying to plan out my weekends with zero margin, making sure that when I get home from school, I've got people coming over, I've got stuff going on, I've got you know, nothing but nonstop in my life. That's how I'm treating this habit of thinking poorly of myself instead of dealing with that issue, being open with people around me that love me and saying, where does this come from? There's something in my heart. I'm not seeing myself the way that Jesus sees me. So what happens is when you choose to follow Jesus, what we understand is that God takes out our heart of stone, gives us a heart of flesh, and gives us new life in Christ Jesus. Like a whole new way of thinking, a whole new way of seeing the world. But there's something for you to do. You've got to put on Jesus. There is something for you. You've got to be proactive about this. Like good intentions are not enough. Uh, here's kind of an example that came to mind. Um, how many people think they read the Bible plenty? Like, you're reading the Bible all the time. Like, you just don't put the book down. Like, I, I, re- I, I meet very few Christians that would say, yeah, I just read the Bible all the time. It's just nonstop. Here's what's funny, though. I just want to ask you this question. How many Bibles do you own? <laughs> A lot, right? Are they, like, in every room? Here's, here's kind of the pro- thought process, and, and I do it too, but it's kind of like we... We, we kind of think that if we put a Bible in every place that we might sit down, there's a chance we might accidentally pick it up and read it at some point. And so we have 17 Bibles and multiple different translations. And it looks really great when your Christian friends come over, right? They're like, you have Bibles everywhere. Everywhere you go, you read the Word. <laughs> you don't correct them. I know you don't. And so, I mean, we have good intentions. Every Christmas, just buy me a new Bible. I'm sure I'll read it. Put them everywhere. But you actually have to follow through with something. You actually have to sustain change. And the problem is some of us just kind of deal with the fact that we're, oh, I'm just not a reader, you know? Maybe you've said this, well, I'm just not really a reader. People ask me, hey, Brian, I want to understand theology better. I want to I understand the word better. Like, what do I need to do? I'm like, well, I read at least a book a month. And then, like, I'm in the word consistently. Start with that. 
And I always see sort of this like, am I, maybe I don't really want to know the Bible. Maybe, maybe I'm not really ready to take this. I'm not really a reader, Brian, which is funny because, I mean, what if we accepted that kind of logic with our kids? Like what if, imagine like your, your daughter comes home from school one day and she's like, dad, Billy bit me at school today. And you're like, that's terrible. You know, what'd you do to Billy, right? Nothing, you know, just bit me. And you're like, oh, I just assume it's a fluke, you know. And the next day she comes home from school and she says, Dad, Billy bit me again at school today. And you're like, all right, parent-teacher conference time. Got to meet with Billy's parents, sit down with the teacher. Let's figure this out. So you go into school, there's Billy, there's Billy's parents. And you're like, hey, Billy's parents, um, Billy keeps biting my daughter. And Billy's parents look at you and his dad says, well, Billy's a biter. <laughs> like that's, that's fine, that's got to change, right? It's, it's not okay. They've tried. Told him not to a hundred times. Billy's a biter. It's like, Billy needs a change in his life, right? Billy needs a new way of thinking about my daughter. Billy... Billy needs some spankings, right? Billy needs some help <laughs> to change this issue that's going on in his world. And so, but we kind of, we kind of do this with, our, with ourselves. We just sort of, well, I'm an angry person, right? It's just kind of who I am. I'm not a reader. That's, that's certainly who I am, you know? I'm, I've, heard the, I've heard people say this before, Brian, I'm just not a good person. And then we wonder why we continue to do the things we do. When we identify as that person, it's impossible to sustain change in our lives. I mean, how can we go become somebody that we're not? I mean, it's just not who we are. What you need to know is that when you're in Christ Jesus, you get a new heart, a new life. And, and you are no longer defined by those things, but now you're defined by Christ. And so in Christ, you will trend towards righteousness and holiness every time. And I know that you will struggle, and I know that sometimes you will fail, but you need to understand that the new you is righteous and holy. That's who you are. No, lo- no longer is it an excuse to say, that's not who I am, that's not what I do. This is the new you. Paul continues on in verse 23. He says, he says and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Paul's like, you need, to, you need to assume a new way of thinking. You need to see this world differently, see yourself differently. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. He says, renew your minds, think differently, and then put on the new self. And your new self, your new self is awesome. It's, this, it's the best version of you you could ever imagine. This person looks just like God. In holiness, in righteousness. He says, therefore, because you have a new heart, because you have this new life in Christ, therefore, here's what this new life looks like. He says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And I love this language of put away. He's saying literally like when you take Christ Jesus, this new life that you have, you you put away that old self and then you take up a new self. See, this new life in Christ, it's always replacing this old stuff with new stuff. God doesn't take away one thing without giving you another thing. So God's going to take away this part of you that is false, the liar, the cheat, the deceiver. And he's going to replace that person with somebody who speaks the truth with his neighbor and loves them like himself. 
So the new you in Christ Jesus, the new you is so honest. I mean, I mean, you were created in Christ to be honest. I mean, when you're in Jesus, in any situation, even if you're going to get in trouble, even if you're going to lose some money, even if it's going to threaten the friendship, you're just going to tell the truth. That's the new you. That's the new you in Christ Jesus. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. It's a shift for some people. Some people are like, well, Christians can't be angry. No, you should be angry about some stuff. But in your anger, you shouldn't sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So God's going to take out this old angry person and replace him or her with this person that is all into reconciliation and forgiveness and making it right with somebody. So now the new you in Christ, the new you just, you want to deal with the problems and not let them fester. You used to be the kind of person that would get upset with somebody and you wouldn't tell them about it. You'd tell other people about it, but you wouldn't tell them about it, right? You wouldn't deal with it. You'd let it fester. You would hope it would blow over. And and, and now the new person is like, no, we got to deal with this issue. Let's be honest. Let's reconcile. Let's make it better. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. The old you was all about working to gain more stuff for yourself. The old you was all about just getting as much money in the bank account and as much things, getting the new truck, getting the new house. Like that's, that was your obsession. And so you went to, went to work. Your job was all about you. He's saying the new you works so that you can give it away. The new you has a job because you, you, you see this whole new kingdom that God is building in the world and you're like, I just want to be a part of it. I want to be generous. And so you take off the old self and when you put on Christ, now you are a generous person. Verse 29, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So the old you was always tearing people down, gossiping about people, talking about them behind their backs. You just, you'd say whatever you needed to say to try to feel better about yourself. The new you is so encouraging, it's making people sick, right? They don't know what to do with you anymore because you're just so encouraging. And every time they win, you win. And you celebrate their wins. And you're so excited. You're more excited than they are when they succeed. And people don't know what to do with you because that's the new you in Jesus. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. The new you is so gracious. And people cut you off in traffic, you're like, hey, what's up? <laughs> Praying for them, smiling at them. Not even that sarcastic smile, like I want to kill you. It's like the real smile. <laughs> like I love you, you're a human being, right? Created in the image of God. Like the new you is so gracious. People talk bad about you at work. You're just, you're not worried about it. You know what the truth is. You know who you are. You don't have to worry about that. You're putting off all of this anger and slander and gossip and all of these things that you used to do, the bitterness that keeps you captive and you put it all off and you've replaced all of that with grace for the world. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. This is the clincher for all of this. As God in Christ forgave you. So all of this flows, not from your own righteousness because you got none of that. We started with that, right? We are the ungodly. We are the unrighteous. We are not holy apart from Jesus. All of this flows from the fact that Christ in God forgave us. And when we receive that, 
and we say, this is my new life, this is my new identity, we can trend towards these other behaviors, and it's naturally who we are. You see, there's no hope in saying, well, I'm just a dirty, rotten sinner. Like, now that you're in Christ, I never want to hear one of you say, well, I'm just a dirty, rotten sinner. There's this, almost this trend in the church to, to say, well, that's, that's humility. And that's not humility. That's to, to reject the new life that God has given you. No, no, no. The new you is righteous and holy in God. And so when you're acting in this other way that doesn't help you or other people, you're actually acting out of character. It's not who you are. It's not who you were created to be. The new you is helpful and encouraging and kind, and generous, and giving, and gracious. When you act that way, you act in most alignment with who Christ created you to be. There's hope in that, isn't there? So all I want for you guys, my heart for you in this, is that you could deal with some of your habits by dealing with your heart. That you would say, God, I I guess I just need a new way of thinking about the world, and a new way of feeling about the world, and about myself, and about you. God, would you give me your eyes for this other human being that I have never been able to forgive? God, would you give me your heart for the needy and the the homeless and the, the hurting in our community? God, would you help me to be the kind of person that takes action when somebody needs to take action to meet a need? So last thing, write this down. Putting on Christ is how we put away sin. If you want to put away sin, you can't do it on your own. You've tried that. Other people have tried that. It's not sustainable. You need to put on Christ Jesus. And you might do this a thousand times in a day, but that's what it means to receive his grace. So at this point, you're kind of going, well, Brian, it's all fine and good, but what happens when I get out of church and I fail at this? What happens when I run back to that habit tonight? What happens when I do it on Monday morning at 8 a.m. when the kids get out of their bed? What happens? this is where we go back to where we began with this passage that Paul pens. He, he says, listen, I continue to do the things that I hate. But here's what he says. He says, it's no longer me who does them, but the sin that dwells within me. Don't you love that? What Paul is doing is he's like, listen, guys, we're going to fail. We're going to mess this up. But what you need to know is that when you're in Christ Jesus and you act this way, that's not who you are. That's the old you. It's the sin that dwells within you because the new you is in Christ Jesus, righteous and holy before God. You see, we're caught in this in-between, this tension where like, God, change my life. I don't know why I do these things. And God's like, I will. And he's starting the process today. You guys, we don't have to wait for eternity for, for us to see the kingdom of God. We can see it right here as God shapes our lives and changes our lives. Hebrews ten fourteen says this. By one sacrifice, he, being Jesus, has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. In other words, you are right before God. You stand before him righteous and holy. And yet you are in a process, a journey. It's called the sanctification process of being made like Christ. And you will spend the rest of your life doing it. If you've been a Christian for 15 minutes, 15 or 50 years, you will spend the rest of your life identifying new behavior and new things in your heart that don't look like the kingdom of God. It's a journey that we're all on and we all will be on till the rest, for the rest of our lives. Paul's like, listen, his grace is sufficient. Even in the things that you don't receive freedom from today, his grace is big enough to cover those things. And I, I, I want to close out a little bit, because I know some of you guys have a lot of failure and, 
and issues in your past that you're still kind of dealing with. And so I want to read this quote from uh, my favorite theologian, Johnny Cash. And uh, he says this. He says, you build on failure. You use it as a stepping stone. Close the door on the past. You don't try to forget the mistakes, but you don't dwell on it. You don't let it have any of your energy or any of your time or any of your space. Lots of truth there, isn't there? Listen, don't stay in the past. Don't dwell on it. Deal with it. Process through it. Let God work in the pain to produce something beautiful in your life. And I believe that's what God wants to do. So all day long, Monday morning, starting Monday morning, I want you guys to be putting on Christ Jesus, receiving his grace over and over again throughout the day. And what I think that you will see is definitely a new way of experiencing your life, but even even beyond that, you will begin to see these chains of habits and addictions start to fall off your life. And for the ones that don't get broken, know that his grace is sufficient to cover you. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much that we can relate to this man. Um, God, we all have habits and routines in our lives that are hurting us and the people around us. We like to call them bad habits, God, but you call them sin. And so we want to look that in the eye today and be honest, Father, that we are sinners, first and foremost. Apart from you, God, we know that we can do nothing to save ourselves. So we need your grace. God, today I pray that all of us together as ACF Church, that we could receive the new life that you have given us in Christ Jesus. That even in this moment right now, we could be putting on Christ. To put off our old self. God, we know that old person isn't us anymore. God, we continue to do those things, God, yet it's not us who does them. It's the sin that dwells within us, God. So would you strip us of that way of thinking? Strip us of that way of dealing with our our tensions and our, our problems. Give us a new way of seeing the world and of seeing ourselves. I pray healing in the lives of people who, today who are just discouraged and just don't know how to put one foot in front of the other. God, I pray we as a community could, could be what your church is called to be as a gathering of those who are all equally standing before you as those who need grace. So God, heal our hearts, heal our wounds, bind up the brokenhearted today and give us hope, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks.